welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. This tape is produced in the spirit of S.A.'s 12th step to carry the message. Members of the fellowship should bear in mind S.A.'s 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, TV, and films in the use of this tape. Anonymity to this respect is actually the practice of genuine humility. We assure that humility, expressed by anonymity, is the greatest safeguard that S.A. could ever have. I'm Sylvia, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic. And my sobriety date's May 10th, 1983, and for that I will never be sufficiently grateful. And last night I was asked um, who they ought to get to introduce Tricia, and I said, I don't know, who do you want to introduce her? And he said, uh, well, somebody that knows her. And I said, well, I know her a little bit. I'm her sponsor. <laughs> so he asked me if I'd do this, and I'm really honored to do this. I'm going to tell you. Um, I asked I asked Tricia what she wanted me to say, and and believe it or not, she told me she didn't know. So that's pretty surprising, and that's great recovery. <laughs> uh, she's not controlling or anything. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, it's hard to know who sponsors who in this relationship because Tricia and I are the only two females in Oklahoma. So, um, it's the way... (laughs) Okay, I mean in SA in Oklahoma. Sorry. I I have no ego problems either. <laughs> um anyway, Trisha came to the program fifteen fifteen years ago. Anyway, she's been here a long time. And um she's gone through a, a lot during her recovery. She uh, had sobriety, she uh had to practice uh, a little bit of uh, codependency, and um, and she's back, started back with the program, and she's got good sobriety now, and has uh, been a wonderful person to work with. Um, I've really enjoyed watching her grow, and uh, watching her change. And she is really special. I could stand up here and tell you her story probably better than her, but I'm going to let her tell it for you. So, thanks. Welcome, Tricia. I want to say good evening, brothers and sisters, and and especially my sisters, my sweet sisters. Um, I'm an only child by birth, but my chosen family, I have lots of sisters, and that's wonderful. 
I'm Tricia, and I'm very grateful to be a recovering sexaholic. Uh, my, my current sobriety date is uh, June 22nd, 1992. I had uh, four years and four months of sobriety, which I fortunately lost in order to gain wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts. And the most important one was humility. I have my security blanket here. <laughs> in case I forgot what to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to be sharing on steps 1 and 12 and the steps in between, working the steps in between. So I, I always take an opportunity to study about a step when I'm asked, asked to share about a step. Or actually, it's about the principles. We're supposed to be talking about the principles here and the, the steps in between. I'd like to take a couple of minutes and 20 minutes, you told me, okay, to share with you um, a little bit about my story. I came in like any normal woman, uh, codependent woman, of course, to the essay program. I was 12-step the first time I went to a 12-step meeting. I went to, of course, the meeting that I belong to first and foremost, and that is the victim's meeting. I'm a professional victim. Don't I look like it? Um, that is called adult children of alcoholics. My dad was an alcoholic. I found out later that I dated a lot of alcoholics. I have two brothers. They're both alcoholics. One is in recovery. Thank you, God. The other one, we pray for. And God is with him, I'm sure. Um, anyway, the first time I went to a meeting, I heard these two gentlemen saying that uh, they were addicted to lust. And it caught my attention because I had just broken up with a boyfriend three years ago, but we still talked a lot. You know, I was tr- still trying to fix him and change him and show him what a wonderful woman I was and he changed his ways. You know, maybe some women in Essendon understand that. <laughs> so uh, I decided I need to go to this meeting for him. So I walked into my first SA meeting and there were no women there and there was a man there with whom I had acted out. And I got the definite feeling he was still interested in acting out. Um, that is why I did not give my first step to the entire group, because I was too fearful of, of meeting with him. I just felt far too vulnerable. Um, that was a strange group, you know. I didn't I didn't know if I could trust them. Um, but they just looked too different, you know. They were normal human beings, but to me they looked real different. And I was really uncomfortable. So you know that what that tells me now is... I was home, but I wasn't ready to admit it. <laughs> so um, I did my own thing. I went to a girl. I went to a women's group for about a year and tried to deal with this. I was working uh, my ACA program. Couldn't get beyond the third step. And finally God revealed to me by putting me in a sales job. I'd been in sales for 12 years by that time. Um, I was selling soft serve ice cream machines. And, of course, I had to face the realization that I had a food addiction. Thank you, God, for the first addiction, because then I could work my fourth step. And when I did my fifth step, which was about five and a half hours with a minister, I realized that I had a few relationship issues. My core addiction is relationship addiction. Not so much romance and sexual, but relationship addiction. So today I am really grateful to be able to tell you all that I surrender the right to seek or have a relationship unless God puts that in my life. And God has given me so many holy relationships. I am so full of love of others 
And I really feel that today. And I sure, it took a long time to get here. A long time. Anyway, um, so I finally came back after I had two major slips. And my therapist said, well, we could put you in the treatment or you can go to SA. And being a cheapskate and not having much money, I just, I was going to try this thing. So I came in and February 14th of 19, uh, 1988, and four years and four months later, I had a slip just before uh, the Vancouver meeting, and um, because I'd already bought my ticket, I was determined to go, and I've learned to take a little vacation when I, when I come to conferences. That helps me feel less deprived because I could not afford to take a vacation and go to a conference. So I did some uh, sightseeing, and then I came in and um, gave my first step. And when I went into that little hotel room, it was full of, it was just lined, a big circle, big, long circle. And I think a few, Tony, I don't know if you were there, but there were about 20 people from Oklahoma City. And it was a very healing experience for me. My first first step uh, my sponsor said, well, I heard a lot about how you were a victim, but I haven't heard how you were powerless and your life was unmanageable. So I had to do that one again. But, <laughs> but when I gave this one, I, I guess I, I gave it because it's kind of stuck. So today I have, God has given me eight years. Um, at the time I lost my sobriety, I had um, five sponsorees. I was... Um, uh, a trusted servant in the inner group. Um, I was thinking about doing some work on the regional level. And um, I had to let go of all that. I felt so much shame. I did not have the courage to call my sponsorees and tell them that I'd lost my sobriety. And several of them were very, very angry with me. And one woman told me she even lost her sobriety because I lost my sobriety. <laughs> Boy, did I feel powerful. <sighs> Awful. Um, the, the interesting part about my addiction, my addiction didn't start until I was an adult. I was married. My husband wasn't giving me what I wanted, what I deserved, and what I was demanding. So I went out and got it someplace else, and there I was saying, why am I here? Why am I having this adulterous thing? Because my husband wasn't giving what I wanted to demand. Now, a normal codependent never asks. She always assumes that the husband is supposed to read her mind. So he wasn't giving me what I wanted. Um, and he told me the only time he could touch me was sexually. He could not touch me in an affectionate way. And I thought all I wanted was affection. Well, I wanted a lot of other things. I wanted him to fill my God hole. Um, he, was, he was my God when I was married to him. And for a long time afterwards, I only know that because friends told me after the divorce that uh, I never had an opinion of my own. Well, I married a uh, fellow. I helped him get a master's and a Ph.D. Well, of course you're a god when you have a Ph.D., aren't you? I mean, that's what I thought. <laughs> so um, I've had to learn to have my own opinions, and it's taken a few years to do that. I thought I was the uh, marrying kind. I knew um, if I could live alone for a while, at least a year, then I could marry. I have been now divorced uh, 20, um, some years. 
and I'm very happy living alone. Because, you see, I'm, I'm alone. I am not lonely. I was extremely lonely in my marriage. Very lonely in my marriage. Um, and when my husband didn't treat me the way my family of origin treated me, I did a pretty good job of teaching him how to do that. People treat me the way I teach them to treat me. You know, so as I didn't value myself, I would not allow him to value me. One example was he gave me some perfume, and we were students most of my married life, and I scolded him for giving me some perfume. Well, it turns out he got it free. Well, I had spoiled it. After that, he never gave me another gift. He stopped telling me, he told me, he stopped telling me I was attractive because I told him it was a lie. Now, I don't remember doing this. Um, anyway, my acting out, I wanted to share with you what my acting out was about. It started with adultery, promiscuity, let me see, I had to write it down because sometimes I forget. Uh, romantic relationship fantasies, and uh, they started at probably age five. When I grow up, I remember sitting at my little table looking out the door, and my mother and father were screaming and having one of their usual regular fights. I was going to be able to talk to my spouse. I was going to have a family where we didn't do this stuff. So starting at a young age, I had fantasies about a relationship. And my husband was going to be, actually came out to be God, because I expected so much. And who could possibly live up to that? Um, I did a lot of uh, seduction. Uh, the hunt, the chase, flirtation, all that kind of stuff. That's where my high came from, not from the acting out. Uh, group sex, one night stands, some pornography, had a boyfriend into transvestitism, helped him in that. That was really uh, scary to me because it was so strong. Um, you know, when, uh, when I hear therapists who talk about um, no uh, no such thing as sexual addiction, God, I got a real big high on of that. Um, and the inability to say no. Since I have ten minutes left, <laughs> I want to share with you um, what I've learned about the principles as I've worked each step. The first step, the principle is honesty. Now, we've, you've probably heard a lot of talks about honesty. I was a liar. The only person I really cared about not lying to was myself. And I was a wonderful con to myself. Everyone in the world knew what the devil was going on except myself. Um, on and on and on. And the, the primary example that I can give you is that I came into the program, needing the program, and I lied to myself. I said I came for someone else. I lost my sobriety, and I didn't know I'd lost it because I lied to myself. I thought that um, a certain form of sex was the loss of sobriety. If I got something out of it, that was my loss of sobriety. I gave sex away. And that was it. I did a sexual act. And I had to have my sponsor tell me that I'd lost my sobriety. Of course, I was very angry with her for a long time. Yeah. she told she. We were talking on the telephone, and she told me, and I was still at work, and uh, I cried for two hours later, and I, I can still feel that pain. I don't want to have to go back there. But it never crossed my mind to not come back. I knew that, that 
I could go out there again, and I would go a lot farther than I'd ever gone before. The second principle is hope from the second step. I had no hope. I thought I was a piece of garbage when I came in. Uh, even went to a <laughs> went to a Halloween party dressed as a bag of garbage. Not not you know not on purpose, but just did that one time. What I've learned in the program is I get hope by taking action. Every time I see somebody who takes some action and gets a different result, gets something that that's different, that's hopeful. Uh, that's enlightening, that gives me hope. Um, I get honesty by coming to the meetings and listening to other people get honest because then they remind me of what I'm not being honest with. So I can't stop coming to the meetings because I know I lie to myself. I can justify, I can rationalize, I can do all that kind of stuff just too easily. The third principle of faith, well, I didn't believe in God. I had no relationship with God. And I remember this when I was 14 years old. I, I went to the priest and I studied for a year with him. I went to a, I was raised Catholic, so I went to a Catholic college so I could understand my faith and have some faith. And you know, all this head stuff didn't get me anywhere. It just got me farther away from the God of my understanding. Uh, I came to realize later that I had my father's face on God. And I transferred that. The brain generalizes that I transferred that to all males. Um, now, the God of my understanding lives within. It is the spirit. Um, it is that feeling between us. It is Catherine giving me that massage she gave that took the pain away from my shoulder. It's my sponsor telling me in her southern drawl. She says she's western, but she's southern. I love you. She's just wonderful. Four and five are courage and integrity. I always wanted to have great integrity. My name means patrician. It means noble woman. I want to live up to that. But I had no way. I, I went to meditation class for almost ten years, and I, I didn't have these wonderful mystical experiences, and I didn't understand why, and my teacher said, you just need to clean up. But he didn't tell me how. Church tells me, you need to be this, you need to be that, you need to be other... But it didn't tell me how. If you want to know how, come to the 12-step program. So I, be, I began to have some integrity when I started to work my steps. Willingness to me is a mystery. I only know I'm willing after the fact. I finally did something and I become willing. And I found that for me, willingness does not have to be a major deal. It can be as the tiniest acorn. Okay, I'm willing to... Do one little thing. Okay, I'm willing to... And I have a I have a very strong three-year-old little girl inside. And she comes out every time my sponsor makes a suggestion, you know. <laughs> so my sponsor's very quiet. See, she, she, she's very... She slowed me down a lot. And that's one of the signs of recovery in myself. I, I am so much slower now. When I go back home, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a damn Yankee. You know, damn Yankees brought their carpet bags and stayed... They were calling me a damn Yankee for years, and I didn't know what it meant. It was real. I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> so anyway, now when I go back home, and my brother starts talking like, blah, 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 you know, I, I said, please, you have to slow down. I can't hear that fast, and I, I can't. 
And I'm learning to do one thing at a time, not three or four. That's a miracle. Um, the seventh one is humility. Uh, and I, the, my biggest opportunity for that was my loss of sobriety. Eight and nine are self-discipline and love for others. And in that, I must share with you the most important event in my the most important promise of, of this program for me. Um, my dad is deceased, and I did a lot of work on him. I went to therapy in anger, and it was about him. And I've not been able to heal in my own mind the mother inside of me and my real mother. My mother is 80 years old. Um, she's a very strong woman. God, I never thought I'd say that because all my life I thought she was so dependent and so weak. But today, today I admire my mother because she could tell me that since the death of her second husband and her open heart surgery, she's come to realize that she has been dependent on men. I inherited, I learned how to do that from her. And that she sees things differently. You see, last Friday I um, I flew to Buffalo, my hometown, and I visited my girlfriend from high school. We've been friends for uh, so many years. And uh, after I visited her, I went to my mom's house. And when I got up at the top of the stairs, she said, You're pretty. My mother has never said that to me. Never. I have so sought to feel close to her. You know, I have grieved so long. Some kind of connection. To not be the mother, but to be the child. And God gave me that. And I didn't have to call my sponsor. And I didn't have to run away. I didn't have to go eat or get into lust. I could be with my mom and help her pack. And we had a couple of times, and she crossed a couple of my boundaries, but she respected my boundaries. And so God can work in others, even if they don't work this program. There are as many ways to God as there are people in this world. So I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. And I hope I can hang on to that so that I never stop being teachable, because that's what it means to be humble, is to be teachable, to be open, to be willing to learn. So, the, the, tenth, the tenth principle is perseverance. It's always been easy for me to start a program. It's been very difficult to stick with it. I keep getting more and more I came in, I was going to get this and leave. How could I possibly leave with a gift like this? The gifts that God has given me through you just are absolutely overwhelming. The um, the eleventh principle is self-awareness, spiritual awareness, and the twelfth one is service. I want to share with you, I have just a minute or two left, I um 
I've had three major surgeries since I've been in Oklahoma. I've been in Oklahoma over 30 years. And God has always provided a number, not one, but a number of mothers. They were not my biological mother. They had to come and clean my house, cook my food, and wash my hair. I couldn't stand up long enough to wash my hair. Um, to take me to the doctor when I was too sick to go, you know. Um, last September, I moved into my third home, which is pretty big. I have um, just exactly what I wanted. I wanted a large living dining um, kitchen area, so when I cook, when I have my friends over, I can sit there and I can stand there and cook, and they can sit there at the bar and talk to me. As a matter of fact, uh, a few weeks ago, Nancy and I had a wonderful conversation. She was in Cleveland, and I was making a pasta meal for, for work the next day, and I put her on the speakerphone. So I even have my sisters around when they're not physically there. That was wonderful. Um, so God gave me this house. And you see, I to get this house, I moved out of a house that had been devalued after I moved into it. I lost a few thousand dollars on the deal, but God still gave me just the house I needed in a wonderful neighborhood. I have wonderful neighbors. They're taking care of my lawn, taking my mail, you know. <laughs> it's just overwhelming. Watching my cat. These are three different neighbors. This is not the same person. See, I have family everywhere I go. Um, I have a person in program that's helping me with some repairs on the house. When I went to Vancouver, I'm just telling you all the little gifts I got. And these are just material things, just material things. I went to Vancouver, got a free trip to go to Alaska the next year. That was through the airlines. You see, I went into sales, spent 12 years in sales because I was going to make enough damn money that I was never going to be dependent on another man again. Thank you, God, for giving me all these gifts, not by my earning it but directly from you. It's so obvious they're direct from you. Um, today, uh, not only... And my mother gave me a new car. She decided not to drive anymore. Um, Jack, I was telling Sylvia all the stuff. I can't remember. Just to be here, you know, to be of service, uh, to have relationships. I have intimacy with men in my life. Uh, the safest men in my life are the ones in program. They're the ones. I've had some come over and thank you. <laughs> he says I can say a few words to wrap up. <laughs> it's, it's so nice to be a token woman. We were, <laughs> we were talking about that. At women in essay meetings are token women sometimes, or the, the specimen. Um, <laughs> see, I went to meetings and I thought you were all objects. And, yeah, aha, aha. You know, my addiction was about power and control, you know, and, uh, and to be intimidating because that's how I felt inside. And the way I hid, as, as the, one of the Essanons shared, the way I hid my fear was to to, print, to be as tough or tougher than, to be more seductive than another person. 
never be vulnerable. You know? And now um, I see it takes much greater power to be vulnerable. I recently read a, a quotation that said, to have control of others is to have strength. To have control of yourself is to have power. And I don't even have to have control of myself. Today, God's power does for me what I don't, what I cannot do. And it was the power of God in me that helped me not yell and scream and overreact with my mother. It was the power of God in me that helped me relax so that I could speak with you and be with you and not have to read the stuff I wrote. Uh, It's the power of God within me that makes me feel safe and comfortable in my home. Um, I was robbed when I was living in an apartment before I moved into my last house. Uh, And you know, that was okay. It cost me some money. But I, I know that the Spirit of God is within me. You can do anything to my physical body, but that is not me. I am spirit. And I just happen to be in a body. Uh, today I'm healthier than I ever was uh, in the past. Um, what else? I have God in my life. I never had that before the program. That's the most important gift. And I think I'm at a little, a little, I think I know a little about the promises. I have experienced peace and joy, uh, serenity. And if I have that, the funny part about it is, I don't need anything else. I don't need anyone else. But it comes. It's a natural byproduct that who I am brings to me all the things that are that are reflecting of where I am now. So when I see these wonderful people in my life, I know that I have really must have changed. I must have grown. And and I really want to pre- I want to appreciate the folks who asked me to share with you today. Um, there was there were a lot of messages from God for me for that to affirm that maybe I do have something to share with you. Um, and I want to thank each and every one of you for listening and give me the love that I feel here. It's really neat to enough here feeling all this love. It is really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with that, Tricia. I think your mom was right. Um, now I'd like to, uh, I know we're kind of, we're, I know we started dinner late and I know we're running a little late, um, but uh, just just to let you know, uh, our next speaker, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got little signs over here and I don't want to rush you off right away. And I didn't mean to do that, Tricia. I'm sorry, I should have warned you. But I have a sign for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 3 minutes, Well, now I'd like to have Tony uh, come up and uh, introduce our next speaker. Uh, when I first came, when I actually, this isn't about me. This is about Will S. Oh, hi, I'm Tony, and I'm a sexaholic. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me who I am. When Will S. first came to our fellowship. 
actually in relation to a lot of people in this room, Will is still a, a kid in essay in terms of essay sobriety. But he came in when I was about a year into my first sobriety time. I remember he called me on a couple of occasions uh, to, to check in and ask for some advice. Well, uh, a few months later, I lost my sobriety, and I didn't just slip. I relapsed. Nine months later, I came back, and Will was solidly working his program. Uh, a little around, a little less than a year later, when I was uh, looking for a sponsor to help me deal with certain issues, I had heard Will sharing at enough meetings that I asked him to be my sponsor. And I found out... Uh, the stuff that made me decide to ask him to speak tonight. Because he's a man who works the steps vigorously from another program. As a matter of fact, in the little over a year that I have been with Will, I have already done two fifth steps. And, uh, and his vigorous working of the steps has actually made him now an extremely popular sponsor in Detroit SA which has given rise to a saying now among us, where there's a will, there's a sponsoree. Uh, this, this is a man with a lot of experience, strength, and hope to share. And uh, right now he has me reworking my eighth step uh, so, I, so I can deal with a lot of my own strange issues, but which many he actually said he has gone through himself. Uh, I can't think, I couldn't think of a better person to ask to share on the subject of 112 and the 10 steps in between. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Will S. of Detroit. My name is Will, I'm a sexaholic because of uh, God and uh, direct sponsorship and uh, and these 12 steps. I've been sober since February 11th, 1997. Before I take this delightful walk down memory lane, um, I'd like to thank uh, I'd like to thank the uh, selection committee. The fact that I sponsor Tony has nothing to do with me being selected. That's my story. <laughs> I hold to it. Um, Gary, um, fantastic job, but uh, but really most of all, uh, Deb. Um, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's. It, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, if it was up to guys like me, um, it just wouldn't be happening right now. I said it couldn't. It can't happen. You know, I, forget it. it. Can't happen. Look at this. All you people are here. What a party. Celebrating our sobriety. I'll tell you something that the thing that really gets me uh, the most is when I hear laughter. Cause I think that's where, uh, I think that's where God really, 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 uh, it, it's so evident of the healing that's happening. Um, the group that I go to, the uh, Troy Monday night group, which, uh, interestingly enough meets in Troy uh, on Monday night. <laughs> We like to keep it simple. Um, 
we we laugh a lot at that group. We we're having a we're having a I mean I I mean I know this is a very very serious business, but but I also know this that uh you know I watch a guy, I watch him come in and I and I'll see him and he just, you know, just can't uh, can't laugh for anything, you know? And um and then and then, you know, a couple weeks later, <laughs> yeah, Bob knows. Uh, a couple of weeks later, he'll be sitting in the meeting, and I just kind of, and then, and then, it, and then after uh, when we do the tokens or, or one of our other crazy antics that we have after the meeting, you know, I'll see a guy just belly laughing, and I'll know we got him. You can go back out, man. You can go back out, but we got him. They have been touched by the spirit of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, on February 11th, 1997, I was not laughing at all. Um, there was nothing funny in my life. I had 10 years of sobriety in another fellowship and uh, was sponsoring no guys at that time because I had destroyed them because of this disease. I mean that. I mean, I mean, they lost their, their they, they lost marriages and things like that because what I did was, you know, it says in the book there, you cannot transmit something you haven't gotten. If you try to transmit something that you haven't got, what you're going to do is you're just going to transmit garbage. And that's what I did to the guys that I was sponsoring in that other fellowship. I was transmitting garbage. They're coming to me with their sex problem, and I was saying, hey, you know, you know, tell that woman, uh, you know, you know. That was the absolute wrong thing to say, but I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what else to say. And, and so with a lot of sobriety, I, 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 I mean, I was dying. You know, I would, I would, uh, I, I'm a spontaneous masturbator. Um, I mean, if I think about it, if I think about it, I do it. I would drive home in my car and I'd think to myself, wow. You made it through another day, and uh, you're not going to have to masturbate tonight. And uh, you know, as soon as I get home, you know, and I didn't want to. And I think that's what the first step is all about. It, it's about you know, powerless. I got no power. When it calls, I go. I, I don't say, um, let me let me think about this a little bit. Let me let me let me let me you know, let's uh, let's talk about this a little bit. It's like you bet. Um, I'm going to give you just a little bit of little bit of a story here, um, and and some of the guys some of the guys like to like to hear it when I tell it to them. Um, but uh, this this kind of helps me understand what insanity was because I didn't really I wasn't really sure that I was insane when I came here. Um, I really wasn't, and 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 I, so I'm just going to give you and and I, and I wish, if I just did this once, I, I I think we could just say this was kind of like a fluke, but I did this night. After night, after night, okay, it's about one o'clock in the morning, and I'm kicking my wife gently, seeing if she's asleep. <laughs> now you know what, and, and this is no diss on anyone in this room. I've got a wife who uh, we have a, a compatible sexual relationship, okay. So everything that I say after this, I did not have to go and do what I was doing. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, you know, okay, I think she's. Finally asleep. Um, well, I learned that you know, don't don't go masturbate in the bathroom. Um, 
and uh, don't go uh, don't go masturbate in the living room. You know, you never know. She might come downstairs. You know, so I'm down in the basement. And man, I'm telling you, it's cold down there. like this at a Kiwanis meeting when I tell the story. I want you to know that. So I'm down in that basement and I've got pornography spread out all over the floor. And I'm thinking, I'm really cold. And I'm looking over there and I see the dryer. Turn that dryer on, put some clothes in it, warms up, sitting on top of that dryer, masturbating. Night after night, you know, and I'm shivering. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm into it, man. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, you guys know what this is like, you know, some of you guys do. And you just, just, you know, that, just that stomach bile, you know, and you, you know, throwing up in the sink. And I'm, I'm into it, man. That's powerless. That's the insanity of my life. I did that over and over again. Over and over and over again. God. When I came into that meeting that first night and I said, please guys, I hope you have a solution. Because I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm going to have to kill myself. I can't stop this. And, and see, I just knew that, that you know, it, this is a progressive sickness. And, and, and it never asks me where it wants to go next. So if I'm masturbating over pictures of men or I'm masturbating over pictures of children, you know, and then things are kind of going on in my life and I'm just not, you know, and, 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 and Roy's story, the personal story talks about that, you know. It's one of my favorite stories about the progression of, of the disease of sexaholism, how he goes from pictures to a little more to a little more, and each one is a, is a hit, and I'm, and I'm standing at the turning point. It talks about that in, the, uh, in another piece of our literature, the big book, you know. Standing at the turning point. And that's where I was when I came into this fellowship. Because you know what? My, my wife, my wife has, has said to me clearly, she asks only two things of me. You don't have to paint the kitchen. You don't have to bring home a million bucks. I'm just asking for two things. I'm asking for your sobriety from alcohol and drugs and that you remain faithful to me. No sex with other people. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to honor that. In Michigan, we got a law that says, you know what, if you have sex with kids, they don't, they don't, they don't ask at 20 years. And, and I knew, I knew that, that, that if, 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 if the progression of my sickness, um, my, my, uh, I've had, I've had three sponsors in this, in this program, and, um, it's not my fault. You know, that's, <laughs> the story of my life is not my fault. Um, they've, they've, they've moved away, you know. <laughs> Not, not because of me. <laughs> not because of me. Um, but that second sponsor, you know, he says that uh, our sexual addiction is, is kind of like, kind of like a, like a um, 
a cafeteria, you know. You might just be loving the green beans, man, but I'll tell you, when it says go for the mashed potatoes, you go for it, man. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm talking up, I'm talking up the, uh, the little girl next door. You know? She looks like a woman, but by the state, she's not. And I'm not gonna be able to say, hey, it wasn't my fault, man. what I come here with. Please, guys, help me. There's, there's, there's a few men in this room who were there that night. You know, I think I think I used a few saltier words than that, and, and Mike came up to me after the meeting and says, you know, Will, we don't talk like that in this meeting here. <clears throat> but I was desperate, man. I was desperate. Because I'd already been in another S fellowship. I was acting out at the meeting. I needed, you know, it was not going to be about, you know, um, define your bottom line, define your boundaries, define this, man. It's like, tell me what, tell me what it's got to be. No sex with yourself or anyone but your spouse, period. Thank you. Thank you. So when I look at that second step, I say, man, insanity, that's where my life was. That's exactly what it was. I took my third step with my sponsor, but I took it on, in the car on the way home after the first meeting. I said that prayer that's, in, that's on page 63 in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, God, I offer myself to Thee. I'll do whatever You want. I'll do whatever You want. You take away, you, I, 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 I'm only asking two things, Father. I'm only asking two things. Please, please keep me sober from drugs and alcohol and take away this merciless obsession. You know, you know in, the, uh, in, the, um, in that prayer it talks about the bondage itself and I've, I've taken a look at what the word bondage means. It means slavery. I had sold myself into slavery. You know? Please, Father, help me. You know, I hope you guys got an answer because I got none. And I met a guy, and 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 uh, he he became my first sponsor. And 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 I'll tell you, like I said, I'm a spontaneous masturbator. I mean, if he if 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 this guy was not home, I could not change my clothes until my wife came home. She went out of town for three days. I just sleep in my clothes. I had I I I put the phone on the headset if if Joe was home, change my clothes, I call him up, change my clothes, or I wait till my wife got home. I couldn't couldn't yeah, you know, couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. That's what that you know, when guys say to me I have a trouble with surrender, it, it just Take a look at your life, man. <laughs> How's it going? That's what I always ask him. How's it going? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> good. If it's going good, then keep doing what you're doing. And if it's not, maybe we ought to try something different. Yeah. Um, I call that guy every day. 
And what that guy told me was, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I got out of what that guy told me, but the most important thing is he told me about one simple thing. Is he, he said he acted out when he had 363 days. And I said, what happened? And he said, I got sloppy. I got sloppy. I wrote that in my white book, and it's still there. Am I getting sloppy? That's the question I ask myself every day. Am I getting sloppy? Was I sloppy today? Was I looking? Was I looking for something, you know, that wasn't there? I was kind of impressed with Trish. Jeez, two women in Oklahoma. That is amazing. I'd probably walk into the gas station and they'd both probably be standing there in sandals or something like that. You know, jeez. <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> You did a wonderful job. Thank you very much. You, you really you touched my heart in uh, in what you said. Um, that uh, that 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 uh, first sponsor he moved to San Diego and uh, and I got another one. You know, and he started me working me on that four step. And uh, man, did I find out about myself. You know, I I had done one in the other fellowship. I'd done I'd done a bunch, but but you know, I just never. I'd never admitted that I was the one that was the perpetrator. You know, I, I, you know, it's like I said, it's not my fault. I'm a victim. I, I, you know, and it wasn't. What I found out is so many of the things that happened to me in my life when we sat and talked about them happened as a direct result of my manipulation. I wanted it to happen, and I put myself there. Yeah. We sat at. Uh, Oakland University Library on a beautiful, cold, snowy day in December doing that, uh, doing that fifth step after I BSed around with it for about, what, three months, you know. Oh, sure, Paul, I'm, uh, I'm writing. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> you know, I want to I show you something. Um, I was really hurting this week, and uh, I found myself on a, on a riverboat going down the Mississippi with a lot of 12-step people, and, and uh, I said to this guy, I said, I'm, I'm hurting, and he, and he said, well, you know what? Um, he said, who are you angry at, and what are you afraid of? And, and uh, you know, man, I, uh, I, I knocked, I, I, I thought I was doing pretty good, but... Uh, <laughs> But you know what? I, I, I want to tell you. I want to tell you something that happened on this. And I, and I know I'm not really sticking to the topic here. Thirty minutes is a is a very short amount of time. And, and Trish, I'm just impressed as heck that you were able to get that much out in such a short period of time. I am I am in awe. Um, but uh, I, I did another fifth step on uh, on Friday, <clears throat> and uh, and I said to this guy after I was done, I, I said, you know, uh, what should I do now? <laughs> you know, like I haven't read the book. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and you know, turned to the seventh step, and and uh, you know, while I was on that boat, you know, there there were a lot of people from uh, from from another another fellowship, but uh, there there was no one there from SA, and I had a little little three by five up on the meeting board, and I said, you know, if there's any members of uh, SA, please contact me in room 201, and uh, nobody contacted me. And so Friday afternoon, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I'm walking out of the, uh, I'm walking out of the fifth step, you know, out of the guy's room and, and I'm walking down and I'm walking past that meeting board and I, I looked at that thing and I, 
I was just getting ready to tear it down and rip it up, you know. Yeah. Father, you're not, you know. I know you love me and I'm, 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 not, I'm okay, you know, but, uh, I guess you didn't hear me on this one. Wait, it gets better. <laughs> I go back to my room, I get on my knees and I, I said, you know, Father, because what we do, what we did was we, we, we wrote down, um, uh, my defects. And there's a lot of them here, and, and I really hate it. Greedy, not trusting God, people-pleasing. Uh, oh, people-pleasing again. Oh, look at that. Self, self-centered. Ooh. Big, uh, big duh there, right? <laughs> and you know what? I just, I was just, I was just stunned. He talks about that in the book. It says, ego deflation and depth. Three minutes. I got it. I got it. I got it. <clears throat> okay, I'll look over on this side now. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my friend Gene says that when I talk, I, I don't I don't look around the room enough. Um, and I got back to my room, and uh, I knelt by that bed, and I said, "You know what, Father? I don't even know where to start. I, I don't know where to start on a list like this." I said, "But I think you do." And uh, I went and uh, shaved for dinner. My wife comes back in the room. We got a phone in the room. Never rang. And this is like maybe five minutes later. Phone rings. Julie picks it up. Honey, there's someone on the phone for you. Member of SA. Been trying to get you all week. Every time I turn a corner, they say you're just you just left. You know, my first thought was, uh, you know, why didn't you leave a note for me? I left you my room number. But you know what? I'll tell you something. Um, that's the way I do things, you know? I've got a plan, you know? If that guy had, 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 had left a note for me, I would have missed this whole thing. Saying, Father, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna, how am I gonna start with this list? See, that's where God touches me. In the moments of my despair, at the last moment when I think that I can't hang on any longer, I get just enough. Now, see, the problem with my ego is I'm waiting for an Austin Martin to show up in my driveway. <clears throat> oh, you really do love me. <laughs> but, um... But he gave me just enough, and I, and I was able to go into the uh, into the uh, into the library, the little library we had there, and uh, I got to spend a couple of minutes with a guy, you know, guy at SA. Jeez, and I just started crying. Yeah, you're on that boat. You think you're all by yourself. I mean, I know God's with me. We see God has no hands but your hands. He has no He has no mouth but your mouth. You know, I mean, I, I know He's up there. You know, I know He's with me. But without you, because and and, and, and you know, we're supposed to talk about what the principle is. And I, and, I, and I'll tell you what I believe, and, and then I'll shut up. Is what the what what I think is the most important principle of Sexaholics Anonymous of any twelve-step program, but 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 Sexaholics Anonymous, and it's not prayer, and and it's not the twelve steps. Um, what it is is one sexaholic who has found a solution in those other two things 
talking to another sexaholic who has not. That's what it's about. That is exactly what it's about. And when that happens, and you see the magic, when you see the light come on in another man's eyes, saying, hey man, you do not have to walk this way. I made that first call to SA, and the guy said to me, no, you do not have to live this way anymore. You guys are giving me my life back. You guys are giving me everything. Out of self, into God, into others. That's what my life is about. Thank you very much for giving me back my life. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.